0: Well, good morning to you. Uh, Great to be with you. I do bring greetings from the West. Uh, And uh, if you don't know, we've just launched a site over there. They are having a great time. There was lots of people there. Half of them I didn't know. So so yeah, uh, just uh, warm greetings from those guys. Uh, God is really with us. We've had a great morning so far. Uh, I mean, obviously, this is the third time I've preached this. It's either going to be amazing or terrible, you realize. There's no middle ground here, I think. Uh, I certainly should know it by now, shouldn't I? Uh, It was interesting, I was joking with Richard uh, that that at least I didn't get a speeding ticket on the way back. And then he said, well, of course, the church would pay. Really? (laughs) Really? I'm not sure if they would. I didn't speed. I want you to know. I had my wife with me. Let's pray, shall we? Jesus, we love you, we thank you for your grace to us, we thank you that we're family, our Lord, we thank you for what you're doing in the west of our town, Uh, but also we thank you for what you're doing in our lives here, we thank you that we're a part of a a family that loves you, a part of a family that's for you, a part of a family that is actually connected to people across this globe. Uh, Thank you, Lord, that you have revealed something of yourself to us, that you've changed us inside that we are, we are and will never be the same again. Uh, thank you that you bring new life to us, that your grace uh, welcomes us, but it also changes us. Uh, Jesus, we thank you. you we, we think you're amazing. Yeah. And this is all for you. Uh, so Lord, I pray, use what I've got, what I've prepared, uh, but most of all, Spirit of God, would you please be at work in our hearts. Uh, we want to receive from you today. Uh, in your name we pray. Amen. 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 Well, as this is part of us uh, being this new church, if you like, uh, we thought it'd be good to look at something that helped to clarify and define um, who we are as a people. So we were focusing on something we call DNA. Uh, or Not we call DNA. You know, you've heard of DNA. But, but we're using that, that phrase. And in fact, we've uh, summarized, if you like, our DNA Uh, with four statements, and over the next eight weeks, we're going to be looking at those four statements. I'm going to be looking at at two this week and next week. No, one statement, but it it embraces two different things. Uh, And if you look in your flyer that was given to you, I trust when you came in, that's got details about what we describe as our DNA. Uh, The the reason why we're doing this is as it's great that we've uh, launched uh, this uh, new site in the West and obviously what we're doing together in the East. It's been remarkable to see how many people have taken on fresh responsibility and moved into new areas that they've never worked in before. And I just don't mean in the West, I mean here particularly actually. Uh, that's been a tremendous response. Thank you so much to the many, many people that are serving in, in new areas, uh, whatever that might be. Uh, uh, as you've heard, I'm speaking in three meetings this week, so that's been, that's been fun and weird at the same time, but you know, much more important than what we do together and what we feel God has said we should do together, is knowing who we are and who we are becoming. See, we don't want to be a church, and I don't believe we are. That focuses on activity and and what we, we 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 you know in God pull off together. It's so much more important. That we understand deep down who God's called us to be and who God has called us to become. That's what it's really about. The rest is, if you like, is a means to an end. It actually helps us all to become all that God has called us to be. We want those on this side of town to become all that God's called them to be. Those on the west and right across Bedford to become all that God has called them to be. Because, as we know, many organisations have gone multi-site before, haven't they? I think we have three costas in Bedford. Is that right? You're looking, no? Three? More. They've done multi- is it five? There's five. I mean, in the last couple of hours, they've multiplied <laughs> from three to five. I mean, this is what happens. We've got five costas. Maybe I get We have two soon to be coming three McDonald's. We do have three McDonald's. I remember, but I remember Ruth went this morning to McDonald's for breakfast. That was I've forgotten that. <laughs> I'm sorry, Ruth. We have two next shops. Two next shops, although someone said one's going to close. Is that true? Yeah. Oh, okay. What we do have, that's why I get all my clothes from ULIs, is next. I don't know where else to shop. We also have 19 post offices. There you go. Google, Google tells me we have 19 <laughs> post office. It must be true. But far more important than what we do is who we are and who God is calling us to become. And we have tried to summarise that. What, if what, if you like, what makes Woodside who Woodside is as a family? And we've called it the DNA. It's like our culture, our values, all sort of blurred together. We found it really helpful and so as I said, we're going to look at these over the next eight weeks. I'm going to speak the next couple of weeks, and particularly unpack the first one, the first line in our DNA, which says this: it says uh, that we are to be a family full of grace and truth, a family full of grace and truth. One of the writers in the New Testament uh, was describing Jesus. And it's one of the Gospels, Gospels written by a guy called John. And he describes Jesus, and he uses these words at the beginning of his book. He says this, The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory. He's talking about Jesus. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Now, John knew Jesus well. So it's quite interesting that John decided to describe Jesus with those two words, grace and truth. He could have said, "There's here comes Jesus from the Father, full of power and authority. He could have said, here comes Jesus coming with signs and wonders. Or even, here comes Jesus coming with mercy and holiness, or majesty and sovereignty. But he chose to describe Jesus as being full of grace and full of truth. I think that tells us something about how Jesus was able to take two truths and walk with them together, what it meant to be full of grace and full of truth. See, when I talk about being full of grace and truth, or when we talk about Jesus being full of grace and truth, often we are talking about certainly how he lived his life, but also how he interacted with those around him. And we are to follow that model, aren't we? We are to be his body on this earth. Now, my observation is, and this would be in my life, if I'm honest, it's an observation in many Christians' lives, that actually we tend to lean towards one of those things or the other. We tend to be full of truth and not so focused on grace. Or we tend to be full of grace and not so focused on truth. Let me explain. So those that are full of truth and strong in truth but maybe not as strong in grace. They're people who, they know what the Bible teaches in terms of how to live their lives. They're really concerned about that. They live faithfully to that. But actually, the world around them, which probably says a different message, they, they push that world back a bit, and they almost go in a bit of a bomb shelter mode just to protect themselves from values that they don't believe in so they can be full of truth. The other end of the spectrum is people who are full of grace and not so focused on truth. So they're people that are really loving and welcoming and open and accepting of others. But actually, over a while, their values become shaped not by truth, but by what the world says we should live our lives. They're full of grace. They're full of compassion. They're full of love and acceptance. But they're not full of truth. And what Jesus modeled and what John is trying to say here is that Jesus was full of grace and truth. And there's a tension, isn't there? There's a tension if you think about it, of what it means to love and accept people but realising that their lives may be not in line with what we believe the truth of the Bible says. So we must see these things together. We must learn to navigate and it's a difficult path to navigate. It's something that I marvel, I, mean, I marvel at Jesus for many reasons clearly, but I marvel the way Jesus was able to be fully accepting and loving and compassionate yet he was able to hold the line. And what he believed and what he thought was right and wrong, I think, remarkable. But we're to hold that tension. So as we look into this, this week and next week, I just we must be mindful that these things sit together. They're not to be separated. But now to contradict myself, I'm now going to separate them and focus on what it means to be full of grace. And then next week, we'll look at what it means to be full of truth. And then we'll sort of weave them to back together again. But it's helpful, isn't it, just to unpack these separately, and then maybe, I trust, bring them back together. So, I'd like to look at what it means to be a family full of grace. I'll be honest, I love this topic. This is this is my favourite topic of all the things that I read about Jesus and about being a Christian. It's the way that Jesus was able to be a magnet and a... a, a and Able to bring people that, whose lives were, were all over the place. And they were attracted to him remar- in a remarkable fashion. So we would, if you read the, the, the New Testaments about the life of Jesus, you'll see that, that there were prostitutes that, that, that were around him. There were thieves there were the outcasts. There were those who were hated in the community. There were those who had cheated money from other people. There were people clearly sleeping around. And all of these people whose lives were, were doing all sorts of things that truth doesn't look like, my understanding of truth. But, but actually, they were, they were drawn to Jesus in an amazing way. In fact, he seemed to be more comfortable with people like that than he did with the religious leaders of the day. I mean, that's challenging for me if no one else in the room Thank you, that was a big mmm, yes. (laughs) They were attracted to him, and he was attracted to them. So that's Jesus. How do we bring this into our setting, our context, our lives today? How do we take those examples and principles that we see in the life of Jesus, even what we've just mentioned, and others too, and how do we apply that? Well, I've got four suggestions of how we... Our family full of grace today. And there's probably better examples and better suggestions, and I'm I'm open to them all uh, because I think this is a huge topic. But I've landed on four for today. And the first one is this in a world of pretense, we need authenticity. In a world of pretense, we need authenticity. When we look at the life of Jesus, we will see that he was the most authentic. Open, honest, real person that ever lived. In fact, he was so honest uh, and authentic, it, it, as we know, it got him into serious trouble. But I think it starts with authenticity today. Because grace says, I can lose my need to pretend. The environment we're living is an environment that's full of fake news, failed promises, Instagram or Facebook, which a lot of the time is presenting unreality. Not always, but often unreality. And the world and we are crying out for some authenticity. I think we are crying out for a, a context where we discover we no longer need to pretend. John Burke, who wrote a book called No Perfect People Allowed, he's a leader in the States, and this book's an amazing book about this subject, and, and uh, he wrote, writes these words. Our generation is longing for something authentic. They are searching for the real thing, though they don't really know what the real thing is. This generation has endured so much meism and let down from those they were supposed to follow and trust. They want to see genuine faith that works less than perfect people before they are willing to trust. They want to see people whose lives are real, faults and all, warts and all, mistakes and all, A people that are able to say, actually, this is the real me. This is not the me on show. Do you remember they used to talk about putting on your Sunday best? Yeah? It's, it's, there's no need to pretend and no Sunday best is allowed. To put it another way, do you know for me if, if I were to be honest with you, one of my biggest hang ups and probably the mask that I used to um, used to put on less so now it's, you know it 's not affecting me today, but it did for many years, many years in my life was built around the whole uh, area of uh, education and qualifications, particularly qualifications. I mean those of you who know me well, many of you who do I know will know that i didn 't do very well at school. in fact, I did terrible at school. I shouldn't smile, I know, I shouldn't laugh about it. But um, So, to give you an idea, uh, I, uh, I went to local school, actually, Mark Rutherford School, uh, and I enjoyed, enjoyed school. I wasn't those that didn't enjoy So I loved school. Loved being with friends, I loved playing with sport teams, I played in all the teams, and tried to stay on to what I call sixth form, which I think is year eleven. Uh, to try. I only wanted to stay on to play basketball, but I realised that you weren't supposed to do that. You are supposed to do A-levels and things. But to do A-levels, you needed to have a certain level of qualification. And in my O-levels, or GCSEs that they would call them today, I got one grade C GCSE. In geography, mind you, but one grade C GCSE. And the other ones, I think, are D in maths and the rest for E's. I, was, I, f- I failed. I failed in my... Um, uh, in my exams big time uh, I I, I, you know, as I was talking to Dawn because I knew Dawn at, at the time and in fact Dawn was in the year above me she was in in the sixth form I'll just leave that hanging she was in the year above me um, and uh, Dawn and I both did uh, physics but she did a uh, she did it in a year and I did the same course over two years so I had a bit of an advantage didn't I well, then we, we did the same exam, and then we phoned each other and said, hi, honey, you know, it's one of those, you know. Uh, and uh, we were going out at the time, that's why I called her honey, probably. But, um, uh, and uh, I don't call all, all people honey, okay, I just want to clarify that. Uh, and uh, especially not the guys. No, okay, let's stop there, okay. Uh, and, and I said, I, said, do I have to say, what did you do on question number two? And she said, well, I, I, I did Santa Santa. Oh, oh, did you do that? No, I didn't do that, okay, okay. And what about number three? And, and it was question after question. And I felt, you know, more and more stupid as the, as the conversation went on. And uh, although I can joke about it now, that really hit my confidence. And the way I dealt with it for many years is I put a mask on the, my face that said, uh, it doesn't matter, it's not important. I'm, well, I used to use phrases like, I, I'm in the university of life, you know. And I'm streetwise, and all this bravado, which was just a cover for basically I felt a failure inside. Uh, And education-wise, I had failed, let's be honest. So I wasn't deceiving myself, uh, but I could never own up to that. I could never own that's how I felt inside. Now, I'm glad to say that's not how I feel now, and uh, God took me on a different path, and I found out, that I wasn't so daft after all. Uh, I mean, you may want to contest that, I realise, but I'm hanging on to that belief. (laughs) You see, I think Jesus wants us to be a sort of church where grace says you don't need to pretend, you don't need to wear a mask. And we want to be a church where we can be honest. We want to be a church where we can share our doubts, share our fears, share our mistakes. And know that that's okay. You know, it's okay to say, and I know we've, people have these moments when we say, do you know, if I'm honest, I'm not sure if I believe in God anymore. You know, that's an okay thing to say. When you hit a crisis, when you feel your prayers aren't being answered and everything that you hoped in seems to be disappearing. That's a real thing. That's what it means to be real, authentic people. When we feel others have let us down and we're, we're feeling just rubbish, that's the time we need to know that I think grace says there's no need to pretend. That's what Jesus was like. In fact, he drew, he drew authenticity out from people. He said, "Well, you're, you're, there's a woman in adultery. He drew it out of her. There's a woman who um, uh, had four or five husbands. He, he, he didn't allow things to be in this uh, unreality that sadly I've been in and I'm sure I'm not alone. So my encouragement is we're to be people who don't put on the mask. In fact, take off the mask. and know that this is a safe place that we can be real with. That was number one. Number two is this. In a world of rejection, we all need acceptance. Hallelujah. In a world of rejection, we all need acceptance. We need acceptance... With unconditional love. We acceptance with people, friends, and people who care for us and will go the extra mile for us. We all need acceptance. Do you know, everyone has experienced rejection in some point in their life. Maybe sadly rejected as a baby, rejected as a child or a teenager. Some have been rejected by family or friends. But many of us in our adult life have known rejection in different ways. Even the most talented people know rejection. I've heard it said, if you remember the dancer Fred Astaire, you're not going to put your head up, you're not owning owning up to knowing Fred Astaire. You you mustn't pretend, okay? (laughs) (laughs) Fred Astaire, if you don't know, was probably the best dancer ever lived, in my humble opinion. Um, And uh, when he went to his first audition... Uh, it was said of him, of Fred Astaire, he said, he's balding, he's skinny, he can dance a little. Even he suffered a bit of rejection. But Jesus was the most accepting person that ever lived, wasn't he? The people that somehow, his lives were chaotic, somehow, they, he, not only were they attracted to him, he clearly accepted them. And they become part of the community that, that were revolving around him. The honest truth is, though, that the church isn't seen like that as a whole. The church isn't seen as, as accepting. In fact, the church is often perceived as judgmental and unaccepting. In fact, we're often portrayed as the bad boys. Have you noticed? So, we, But it's not true, clearly. But something in our message is not getting through. Which means that this whole area of acceptance becomes even more important that we've got to get right because we are representing a Jesus who is fully accepting. Now acceptance of people is not the same as agreeing with their decisions and their choices and their actions and their behaviours, of course. But acceptance does say, or grace says, come as you are. Not come if you put that right in your life. Or come if you look like this, or even come if you look a little bit like me. It says no. Grace says, "Come as you are," whilst resisting the temptation to change people, the temptation to change people. In fact, one way that we describe this—and forgive me if you've heard this a hundred times—but we talk about the importance of belonging before believing. We, we talk about the importance of people saying, this is my family. I love it, the fact that we have many people from all walks of life that come into different activities that we run, different Sunday morning meetings, and their lives are a, are a different place to my life at the moment. Not that my life is to be exalted. Please don't hear that. But actually, they belong. They, they say, this is our... Um, I'm, the Woodside's my church. It's belonging before anything else has happened. That somehow Jesus was able to do that, was able to accept people just as they were. We want to create a come-as-you-are environment, whatever is going on in your life. And I believe we're doing that. Thirdly, in a world of disappointment, there is hope. Hallelujah. In a world of disappointment, there is hope. You see, grace says, come as you are, But it also says, don't stay as you are. See, people need the permission to be who they are, but they also need the hope of becoming more. One of the the stories of Jesus, which is full of hope and full of this this move from disappointment in, in someone's life, disappointment in decisions, becoming something totally transformed, Is of a guy called Zacchaeus. Uh, That's how I pronounce his name. I know some people call him Zacchaeus or something like that. Zacchaeus, I call him. But Zacchaeus was, he was a horrible man, actually. He was a a, a thief. He used to tax people uh, 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 sort of unfairly, take money from them, give money, some money to the Romans to keep them sweet, keep a lot of money for himself. And Jesus was coming to the town that Zacchaeus lived. And, in fact, what happened, the crowd gathered. As Jesus entered, uh, Zacchaeus climbed up a tree so he could look over the crowd. In fact, if the crowd had seen him, they probably would have ushered him away because he was so despised, fairly so as well. But as Zacchaeus is up the tree, Jesus enters, and Jesus, not by chance, clearly, but Jesus sees Zacchaeus, and this is what happens in the interaction. It says this in the Bible. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to, to Zacchaeus, Come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. Now, for us who have grown up in the West, we may not appreciate the significance of that. In an Eastern context, and I don't mean East as in East side, West side, I'm not, a bit further East, in an East part of the world, Eastern context, to, to, to to go to someone's home is massive. It says that I accept you. It says that, that it's okay to associate with you. says, I'm with you, I'm for you. All those sorts of messages are wrapped in to that moment when Jesus said, hey, Zacchaeus, I'm coming to your house. You can imagine the shock and the horror from the people around at the time. And This is how the story continues. All the people saw this and began to mutter. He has gone to be the guest of a sinner. Do you see? This is not what they were expecting. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody, which he had, I will pay back four times the amount. See, what we see in Zacchaeus is a man who was disappointed with his life. A man who had gone the wrong way, had made some bad decisions, but actually in Jesus there was hope. In fact, what we see is acceptance becoming transformation. In fact, some have described these as being transformed by acceptance. So what became by a sense of belonging, Zacchaeus, I want to come with you, was a transformation in his life that actually completely turned his values upside down. In fact, that's often we talk about it. We talk about belonging. We talk about believing, and then we talk about behaving different or like some people want to say being transformed because it's a little bit more positive but you get the meaning yeah it's actually God does something in here we walk a different path not because of us but because of his life in us so important we get those things the right way around in a world of disappointment there is hope for more hallelujah and finally Number four, as we look at how being full of grace is presented to us and to the world around us, number four is this in a world of brokenness, God can bring wholeness. In a world of brokenness, God can bring wholeness. Do you know you don't have to be an expert on on, on culture, an expert on what's going on in our nation over the last couple of decades. But one thing that is clear is There is a brokenness in families where sadly marriages finish, uh, mothers and fathers are separated, sometimes children grow up with absent fathers or distant fathers. As well as the brokenness in family life that we sadly see, there's a brokenness in the sense of being community. So we are the most connected that a generation has ever been through social media and the internet but we're actually the most lonely, which, which is where anxiety and all these other things that spring out from. There's a brokenness in what it means in terms of one's identity. Who am I? Grace says, are you still with me? Grace says you can be family. Grace says if you've known brokenness, and many of us have, in, in your family, whether it's your parents or it's in your relationships, grace says you can be family, you can be part of God's family. Grace also says that your longing for community can be met here. That sense of belonging, that sense of being part of something, part of people's lives that care and love you, grace says you can belong in community. Grace also says that if you're confused about identity, it starts where you are made in the image of God. That's where your identity begins, that you are a reflection of God himself. You are made in the image of God. And grace says that there's a message of wholeness, a message of healing, a message of salvation, a message of freedom, a message of forgiveness that is for all that place their trust in Jesus. In a world of brokenness, God can bring and does bring wholeness in. Into people's lives. Hallelujah. So Jesus modeled this remarkable thing of being full of grace. Full of grace. It created an environment where there was an authenticity that meant that no one needs to pretend. Because it's not about our lives, it's about His life. It's not about looking like something we think we ought to be, it's about being open and honest about what's really going on in our lives. And at that step, we then, that's almost like step one for seeing the change that maybe we want to see in our lives. It's also about acceptance that is more than tolerance that often the world talks about. Acceptance means you come as you are, just as you are, whatever your life is like. But it's also a message with hope and it's a message with wholeness. It's a gospel that is fantastic. hallelujah. So, a family full of grace and truth, but we will talk about truth next week. Let's stand together as we pray, shall we? Thank you, God. Let's pray, Sherry. Jesus, we thank you so much that you came with this message of grace. We thank you so much that it wasn't just a message, it was your lifestyle. We thank you that we can read story after story of how you accepted, of how you welcomed, of how you affirmed people whose lives seemed to be all over the place in some respects, but they were, they were attracted to you. And God, Jesus, you were attracted to them. We recognise that this is what we are to be like. We are to be an accepting people. We're going to to be an authentic people. We're to encourage one another to take away the masks and trust that this is a safe place where I can really be me. And Jesus, we thank you that this is a place of hope. Whatever brokenness we may have experienced, whatever disappointments we may have known, whether that's family, whether that's criticism, whether that's confusion over identity, whatever it might be. God, I thank you that you are able to bring healing and wholeness. Jesus, I pray for each of us, particularly if we are longing for you to move in our lives. I pray that we would all know hope, that we would all know wholeness. Lord, I pray for anyone particularly that have known the, the awful... Um, environment and consequences of a broken family or a broken marriage Jesus you came for people in that situation you came to to bring healing you came to bring restoration you came to bring wholeness so God I pray for anyone who's been affected by that area particularly but Lord broaden that I pray that we would know you as a Jesus who is full of grace Fully accepting of us, welcoming of us into your family. God, I pray for us. I pray for our nation. I pray that the church would be known for who it truly is, as this amazing thing that is full of grace as well as full of truth. We pray, would you help us to build that sort of church in your strength? We pray. Amen. 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 Thank you.